Hello, everyone, and welcome to Think Like a Dog podcast, hosted by Andrea Paiva and Millie Travis. In this podcast, we discuss how to build the best relationship with your dog. From rescues to reactivity, we'll cover it all. So this is part one of the series, and we're going to break down how to pick a dog that's right for your family. So we're going to touch on a lot of different topics here, but help families um, stir you in the right direction when you're looking for a dog. Yeah, um, the series is going to be just going over um, bringing home a new dog in general. So what that looks like, uh, we absolutely want to touch on first, how do we even pick the, the right dog? Most people are going to go to the shelter or um, you know wherever the breeder, and they're just going to pick the cutest one or the one that um, you know, that, that chose them, but, uh, there's a lot of thought that should go into bringing home a whole new, new animal, new species, new, um, new living being into our home and committing to it for the next 10 to 15 years. Um, the first question that you want to ask yourself, um, is do I want a puppy or do I want an adult dog? And there are absolutely pros and cons to both. Um, with puppies, you're, absolutely going to have to potty train. You are going to have to get up in the middle of the night. Um, most of the time it is easiest to get a puppy if you are working from home or you have a very flexible schedule, or if you're a teacher, um, you know, right when you start for the summer, that way, ideally they can be potty trained by, um, by the next school year. But I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into a puppy the first year. Um, Normally, potty training takes a little while. There's mistakes like chewing up your house and barking in the middle of the night. Um, And then you hit roadblocks like, you know, at six or seven, you know, six to nine months old, they go through almost like this teenager phase and act like nothing that you ever taught them they remember. Um, There's teething. There's a a higher um, veterinary bill because you have to get a bunch of different rounds of vaccines for that, that puppy on top of spay and neuter. Um, so there's a lot, I guess I only named the negatives, but there's a lot of negatives and, and kind of cons to a puppy, but the, the pros are you can sort of create that relationship right from the beginning. Um, so if you get a breed or a mixed breed uh, of dog that works for your family, which we'll talk about, um, in just a second, you can kind of create um, the the dog, not the dog that you want, but the dog is coming into your home almost like a fresh slate and you get to sort of build on these routines and these patterns with this puppy. That does not mean that the puppy is just going to be like, cool, great, I love great training, no problem. Yeah. They're going to have opinions too, but they have never practiced anything else. So it is going to be a little bit easier um, to convince them of a a new routine or a routine that you want rather than an adult dog that comes into your home that maybe has practiced other ways of being for however many years trying to get them on your routine might be a little bit more difficult but with adult dogs normally you don't have to potty train um you can get uh, one round of shots and not have to go back to the vet unless you know they're sick or something comes up for a year um they're, they tend to be calmer. Um, they tend to, um, not have to, uh, you know, 
have most of them at least, um, at least with our pities, right? They don't have as much energy and need to go, go, go. And they, um, they tend to just be in general a little bit more chill than our little baby puppies, but they might, they might come with some baggage. Um, they might come with some behavioral issues and that is something that before committing to either a puppy or an adult dog, you need to be aware of what, where are my boundaries, right? Where, um, if it's a puppy and I, you know, don't work from home and I need to be gone from this period of time to this period of time, um, maybe I look for a six month old dog that, uh, because I, I really want a puppy, but maybe I look for a six month old dog that can hold it for a few hours in the crate while I'm gone. You're not, I wouldn't suggest going out and getting an eight week old because they can't hold it. Uh, and you're going to be cleaning up mess after mess after mess. Um, but then if you have, if you, your family wants an adult dog and you have young children, maybe we make the boundary of, okay, um, maybe because we have kids, we don't, we can't have a dog that's crazy high energy. And we also have to have a dog who at least we know they have some sort of experience with children and we know what to expect. Um, there are, there's a huge difference. I mean, I've Kemper, my dog was the first puppy that I have ever adopted and raised myself. And although my other two previous dogs I, I got from the shelter and were two years old, both at the time, um, they, I never had potty training issues with them. I never had issues where they needed to constantly go, go, go. But I also had some severe behavioral issues with one of them. Um, With Kemper, I mean, he was tough the first year of his life. He's a hound pit mix. That's not the easiest kind of Mm -hmm. mix. But now that we're at two years old and he's finally hitting like this, dogs don't hit social maturity until they're two. So he's kind of finally hitting a stride here, knock on wood. Um, so, so I'm starting to see the benefits of all the hard work that I put in over two years, though. Yeah. But you put in that hard work, too. That's a lot of people don't understand. It's like puppies are cute. Um, yes, they come, you know, as they just puppies. They, they don't have a lot of baggage there. But it's on you to put in the work. So how much time are you willing to put in the work to build this relationship with your puppy plus potty training, uh, plus establishing boundaries within your relationship so your puppy doesn't grow up to have behavioral issues? That's why people go to you because they get little cute puppies and then behavior issues starts to happen because they never put in the work. So now you're stuck with that problem. Right, right. I mean, and vice versa with the adult dogs. It's, you know, I bring a rescue dog or even an adult dog um, from a breeder into my home and um, either they have behavioral issues from from the past that I maybe don't do anything about or I kind of work around and I tiptoe around or I create behavioral issues because of what we talked about in that very first episode of I want to make up for their past. Um, regardless, whether it's a puppy or an adult, they're there's a lot of work that comes with bringing home a new dog. If you are living with a roommate, a significant other, if you have a family, if you're living with your parents, if you have another human in your home that is going to be somewhat responsible or at least around this animal, this needs to be an an entire conversation that, that you have with those people in your home before you ever even go out looking for a dog. You don't just sit there and I've had a lot of people 
honestly, I did this to my roommates in college where I like showed them the picture of the kitten on top of like, I already knew I had the kitten cause I had, you know, I already <laughs> got the kitten. Uh, and then I explained kind of, listen, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, but look at this cute kitten. I think you bring this up with your family as an idea and then you you set the expectations for yourself and for them of I'm going to either do all of this unless I, you know, break my leg or whatever. And, or you say, would you like to be involved? And what, what is your involvement in this? So then that way you don't hit a year out and you're not having a huge argument with your husband or your wife in the middle of the training room at, at the behavior center, which happens. Yeah. And with, Adopting a new dog or bringing you know a new dog or pet into your home, it's believe it or not, it everyone is going to be involved in every way. So even if you're a parent getting your kid a pet, you think, oh, it's, this is going to help them have more responsibility. This is going to help them understand, you know, what it is like to be more responsible. You're going to have to be super involved in that, you know, in that relationship. You don't just think you're going to bring a dog home and your roommate's not going to have any involvement in it or your parents or your brother or sister. Everyone is involved because you're bringing a new family member. With a whole other personality. I mean, yeah. even involved, not even involvement sometimes, but being affected by it. Yeah. Um, so let's say your dog starts to have behavioral issues. Now your roommate can't have people over because your dog doesn't like men in hats or whatever it may be. Um, but you know, that decision affects everybody that lives in your home. So everybody needs to be on the same page. This is why, um, you know, we kind of talked about this before we, we started recording, but this is why you don't gift people dogs mm -hmm. because you can't make that decision for them and for their household and, and what work they are willing to put into owning a dog. Um, they may not want a dog. They may say, okay, a dog is cute, but they may not understand and have that real, um, clarity on what goes into dog ownership when I'm adopting an adult dog that might have some baggage or is larger and can do more damage, whether it runs into something or whatever, or a puppy who needs a lot of frequent attention from me. Um, it's up to the person who adopts that dog and the, the people in their home that agree to them adopting that dog. But yeah, I mean, with kids and dogs, it's not, let me do this so my kid can have responsibility because I mean, if that kid is anything like me, they are not going to do what you think they are going to do with that dog on top of for their safety, for the dog's safety. Kids and dogs should not be together. I mean, obviously below a certain age of, of, of child, but without parents' supervision. That's, I mean, we're going to have, we already have talked about this too. We're going to have a whole episode on kids and dogs and the common things that I run into and why I love working with kids and dogs. But the safety issues that we can have when we don't have supervision. So regardless of who the dog is intended for, or who wants the dog, everybody who lives in that home will be affected by this dog. So everybody needs to be on the same page. Every dog that we have was adopted or rehomed to us. And what, why they are now with us is because someone in their past got them and a household member didn't really agree or was willing to put in the work. So Thankfully, I got them <laughs> and I'm so thankful for my dogs. But most people, you know, starting with Poochie, the girls who had him didn't have time for him. They didn't realize how much work a puppy was. Mm -hmm. So he was staying crated most of the day. And when she put in, uh, put out the rehoming ad for Poochie, 
it said, you know, he, we go to college. We don't have time to take him out most of the time. He's a puppy. He has to go all the time. We can't come back to the house so frequently to let him out. So maybe in their case would have been better to get an adult dog who could hold it for a few hours. Or if you are a college student, which I have been one, don't get an animal. Get a, I yeah. mean, get a fish, right? Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where I, I mean, I did it. I, we weren't allowed. Oh, I hope Barry College is not listening right now because we were not <laughs> allowed to have animals in that dorm room. And over the four years of attending that college, I had a total, all at different times-ish, uh, of four cats, uh, a ball python, uh, two pit bulls, and um, there was another animal, but it was just, I mean, I constantly had animals in and out, right? So it was one of those, I, I mean, I didn't have, the cats are different than dogs. They don't need me to come home and take them on a walk and they, you know, they don't need me to let them outside to go to the bathroom. But I, I had other obligations and even though I wanted that instant satisfaction and and I truly did want to go out and rescue a dog from the local local shelter um it was it wasn't fair it wasn't fair to the dog it wasn't fair to me now the dog that I had I had found at a gas station so that technically was not on me that was the dog's fault that it came to it got (laughs) in my car I'm just kidding um but if you if you are not in a place where you know you're pretty stable, but you have a savings account because dogs can be very expensive, um, especially puppies. If they eat the wrong thing and an exploratory, they need an exploratory surgery. That's a $3,000 surgery sometimes. Mm. Um, and most college kids don't have that. Um, but if you know, okay, I am going to make this decision and maybe I am at college and I have talked to my parents and they are willing to help me out. Um, with vet visits or vet bills, or if I want to go on spring break with my friends, my parents have agreed for me to keep the dog with them so I don't have to pay for boarding. There are ways to do it, but don't just, it's, it should not be an impulsive decision. No. It should not be at all, unless you are me who adopted Kemper very impulsively, <laughs> but I'm a dog trainer. I had all the tools, the supplies. Yeah. I knew what I, what, what was necessary of it um, or what was necessary of me in that situation. But yeah, I mean, for for younger kids, their heart is in the right place, but it's a whole living being. Yeah. And you have to have support to do that. Doesn't mean don't do it, but if you don't have the support to do it, like Millie said, going out of town, do you have someone that can watch your dog for you? Do you have a backup plan if your dog gets sick? Mm-hmm. Lots of surrenders are because the owner can't afford a surgery for the dog or they don't know how to. There are resources and foundations and grants that you can apply for or even um, payment plans, but people don't know that. They don't look into it. They don't have the money. They Or they do and they get that and it ruins their credit yeah. and they can't buy a house in a couple of years and actually be able to adopt a dog that they could keep. Um, but that's, I mean, those are all situations that having a, a background working at vet clinics, I have seen with my own two eyes, young kids with good intentions who just don't have the money for their dog, who, um, you know, their friend was watching the dog while they were out of town and the dog got out and got hit by a car. Mm-hmm. And now they don't have the money to pay for a surgery that could be potentially life-saving. So it is not something that is is cheap. Even if your local shelter is running a free adoption, that is not the cost of the dog. The cost of the dog is over 10 to 15 years. Yeah. It's also not short term. 
Yes, it's long-term commitments. And that's what a lot of people don't go into ownership thinking it's, uh, they feel bad. They want to bring the dog home, but you don't do the thought process of the long-term commitment behind that and what you have to prepare to have a successful, you know, dog ownership with just, you can't just go spontaneously get a dog and you're not thinking about all of the things that come with that. Yep. So also we are going to talk about breeds. Many yeah. people get a dog because they look cool. And a lot of people, and I was guilty of this when I was thinking about getting my first dog that I had when I was like, I think I was like 13 years old, my mom wanted to get me a dog and she asked me, what kind of dog do you want? And I just wanted the one that was the cutest and tiniest dog. I didn't think anything else of it. Um, but, you know, lots of people think I want the dog that looks a certain way, but you don't think every dog, every breed, they have a purpose and they were bred for a certain purpose so can we talk more about that? Because you do a lot with this when people bring dogs into your facility. Now, when it comes to certain breeds, I mean, obviously you and I are both big pit bull lovers. Um, I don't know that they are the, I mean, I, I want you to be aware of the strength that those dogs have before you bring them home. I wouldn't say any large breed dog I would give to uh, a, a senior citizen and you know, say, Hey, here, here you go with your, you know, your walker and, you know, your hip replacement and here, take this shepherd or this, you know, like I'm not going to hand bubbles to, um, you know, a, a 70 or 80 year old, you know, uh, owner because physically they just might not be able to do it. And the dog is going to pick up on that regardless. Now, when it comes to families with children, I am going most of the time to stay away from herding breeds. So my Aussies, my Shepherds, um, sometimes even my Corgis, because they are bred to my Collies, right? I am, they're bred to herd. They're bred to be very spatially aware, and kids are not. Kids are not spatially aware. So they're going to be running around like crazy, and, it, and the dog instinctively is going to think, oh, I got to, I got to herd that, you know, I have to control that. And so we get a lot of not biting, but nipping in those situations. Um, and it's tough. It's a tough ask to ask a kid to not run around just as tough as it is to ask a border collie not to herd something that's moving around a lot. Um, but when it comes to larger, more powerful breeds, I think it depends a lot more on the personality of that dog but those are, are dogs that I'm going to make sure go go to a home that um, that the owner can can handle them physically, that they're not going to be running into a two-year-old and knocking them over, things like that. Not that they have any negative intentions, but their size, like a Great Dane, I'm not going to put with a little toddler that is learning how to walk because that dog's not going to mean to knock that, that little kid over, but they will, and then the dog's going to have to get rehomed, which is what happened to my dog growing up. Well, it wasn't my dog my family's dog growing up as I was learning to walk, they um, had a golden retriever named Scarlett. She knocked me over a bunch, not because she meant to, but just because she was a, an adult golden retriever. Um, and I was learning how to walk and they found her another home. So just be aware of if you do bring home a puppy, what's the size of that puppy going to be in a year? Yeah. And with um, a lot of people that may have had a dog already and then they bring a kid, you know, into their, their family, um, they get pregnant and have a baby. 
Now you're going to have to think about your dog. What are they, their purpose? What breed of dog do you have? And what boundaries do you have to set? You know, a lot of people don't understand. You can have, you know, if you already have that dog, now it's on you to set the boundaries and not let the kid and the dog mm -hmm. in the same room. And that's what we're going to talk about in more episodes. But you have to know how much work are you willing to put in regardless of the dog you have, you have to have different boundaries. Many people have kids and they leave the room, the dog's in the room with the kid and that's not a good mix. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, when we have friends come over and they want to see the cute puppies, I tell them, hey, I'm sorry, but I can't let your kid in the room with my dogs because I don't know how they're going to react to your kid or how it's going to be, where they're going to touch my dog. They might not like it. Yeah. So um, although we have a lot of dogs, I rarely let any kids around my dogs yeah. because they're pretty big and, you know, they have their likes and dislikes. And even with Poochie, my little dog, he's he's a biter. <laughs> so I believe that. Yeah. When he gets uh, annoyed, he rarely does. But if someone um, goes and grabs his toys that he wants and he gets pretty defensive so I do tell my friends, um, you know, make sure that you don't bring toys around when, when your friend, your, your kids are here and Poochie's loose. If you want to have a good time, let's just have no yeah. toys in the room. And, you know, I try to set the boundaries there, but you have to understand regardless of the dog you have, you have to set boundaries. And then that goes into the breed of dog. What kind of breed do you have and what boundaries do you really have to set? There's nothing, there's no breed that I would ever say, um, <clears throat> once, I mean, there are absolutely suggestions I will give you based on your current family, your, your plan for your life before you're going to go out and get a dog. But if you come to me and you've got eight kids and four Aussies, we can still make it work. Um, or if you are a 75 year old person and, um, you have a large breed dog, we have ways that we can, we can, we can work through that together, right? It's, what's going to be the smoothest transition for you and then being putting that forethought into I'm going to get this dog what is that going to look like in a year what's my life going to look like in a year um, and do, do those two things match up or when they don't where do they not match up um, is it because this dog is large breed and I'm planning to have kids great well I need to make sure from day one that this dog understands that this is my space this dog understands to move out of my way, to um, respect the space of other children. And on top of that, it's not just preparing the dog. It is absolutely preparing the dog for um, for what it will be like to live with a young, a young kid. Or even if you're a college student, you have a bunch of people over. It's preparing the dog to have a bunch of people in its space. But it's also preparing the kid and the and your guests and all of those, um, all the outside situations that you're planning on for what to do around your dog and making sure you're advocating for your dog in those situations too. But there's, it's not a situation where I'll ever say, I've never, ever, ever told any of my clients, anybody, you need to rehome that dog. And there is no way that we can make the situation better for you ever. I have thought this is probably not fun for either of you. And it might be, um, where, you know, your dog has another option and, Maybe that'll be better for you and for, for the dog. But I have never said this is something that we can't work through and we can't make easier. But if you put a little bit more forethought into it before actually going out and getting a dog, most of the time we avoid those situations altogether. And that's why it's important. Don't gift people dogs. Again, mm -hmm. don't gift people dogs. Andrea. <laughs> and I was guilty of this. I actually, you know, I went into mm -hmm. um, gifting my niece 
dog and she was 10 and she was, a, you know, allergic to dogs. She grew up being allergic to dogs. People she are was, judging you right now so hard. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's just that when she was younger, she was always pretty allergic. And I had a little dog that I, I had when I was younger. His name was Troy. She loved that dog. I mean, they were always together. Um, and he passed and that was really hard on her. She always asked about him. Um, but then I went on to get Poochie and she was always like very, she was, she wanted to be around Poochie all the time. She loved Poochie. So as she's growing up, I thought, you know, I, she, it would be awesome if she could have her own dog. And now that she got over that allergic reaction to dogs, it's a perfect time because it's going to help her as she grows into this teenager. Mm -hmm. It's going to give her you know, something to look forward to when she gets home from school and all of the things that we all think when we're gifting a person a dog. So I got her a dog and um, when I gifted her the dog, she was, of course, very happy and, and wanted to, you know, be around this dog all the time. But her mom had to work during the day. She had school. So initially that was already a problem because now the dog was home alone. And thankfully my mom was able to drive there every day, pick, pick her up and bring her with us. So, uh, you know, we had that support, but it went on to where, yes, we made it work for when the dog was a puppy. We all pitched in and we all worked together. But as the puppy got older and we never really gave her any structure or help build the relationship between her and my niece, my niece was 10 at the time, then now my niece grew up and thinks the dog no longer likes her because <laughs> every time they're in a room together, the the puppy tried, the, the dog tried to bite her or didn't really like the way that she was pulling the toys, getting her toys away from her. So then it created that relationship where my niece now feels like, oh, she doesn't like me, you know, she's mean to me. And that breaks my heart because I, that, that wasn't the idea I had, but I put all of my expectations into her and thinking, okay, she's going to be like me where she's going to get a dog and she's going to be so happy. But that wasn't her story, you know? And, and it might be her story with another dog. It could just be, I mean, there are some dogs that just are, they're overwhelmed by children, just like yeah. there's some people who are, you know, not every person just because they're a female loves kids. Not every, um, not every dog loves kids. Some of them are a little bit more like, well, what's going on here? This little kid's running around making noises. I don't understand this, um, which is fair. That's yeah. totally allowed. Um, but I mean, the worst case that, which is going to lead us into our next topic, but the the, one of the worst situations, not worst as in bad, but funny of don't gift people dogs is I had a husband and wife. They had just lost one of their dogs and they both were planning on surprising the other with a puppy and neither one of them knew. And when I, I can't remember if it was the husband or the wife, but one, when one of them went out to um, get that puppy, they said, um, well, we're there's a, they're a bonded pair, right? It has to go with its, its sister or whatever. And so then all of a sudden, um, mom, I think surprises dad with two puppies and dad had already paid a deposit for another puppy. So oh, all no. of a sudden there were three puppies <laughs> all of a sudden. And oh, they were all, God. I mean, obviously all near the same age. Yes. And luckily mom called me, um, uh, I think they were probably all eight, nine months old, um, but we, I went out there and the biggest thing that I focused on was, was litter mate syndrome. 
um, which not a lot of people know about, but I mean, the biggest, not a red flag, but I do not do bonded pairs. So there's a lot of shelters out there that will tell you um, these two have to go together or a lot of breeders more often that will say, um, you know, these two siblings are really, really close. They have to go together. They'll be miserable without each other. So litter mate syndrome is two dogs and they don't have to be actual litter mates. They can be um, just dogs living or at around the same age as each other. Um, I had two dogs that were, I mean, a couple months apart from each other, but completely different breeds. And they had probably the worst case of litter mate syndrome that I've ever dealt with. But what happens is, is that when they're puppies and when they're babies, they get so concerned with each other that they can only build that relationship with each other. And then they don't form the relationships with either you or your family or other dogs, um, in a healthy way. And then as they get older, they, there's normally this process of they become almost obsessed with each other in a good way at first, um, but then we are no longer relevant to them. And then as they get older and they hit social, social maturity, uh, it's not natural for them to stay in a pack with, their, with a dog that is around the same age. So if it's a feral pack of dogs, especially if they're the same gender, um, they're you know two dogs that are two males that are around the same age one of them is going to go leave and start their own pack but when we have two males or two females and sometimes it can happen with a male and a female in the same pack and they hit social maturity together now they become competition and these fights are the these fights are deadly most of the time they are not going to back each other away they are going to go kill each other um i have had a client that I've been working with forever. Her two chihuahuas had, had litter mate syndrome um, and her finger broke. She, like mm-hmm. Her chihuahua broke her finger because of a fight that they had. Now, the problem comes in is that once litter mate syndrome uh, starts, uh, once you start seeing the competition side of it, it is really one of the most difficult things and sometimes impossible things to solve. Um, and that is very rare for me to say as a trainer of something that is impossible to solve, but sometimes litter mate syndrome when gone far enough, there's nothing you can do. And the best thing to do is give one of the other dogs to a different home, um, Mm -hmm. for everybody's safety. Now the, you can prevent it. The easiest way of preventing it is, um, in that situation with the three puppies, um, the easiest way for her to have prevented it, which she didn't do would be give one puppy to another home, one puppy to another home until they're about a year old and then they can all go back together. Um, but I mean, most people can't do that because you don't have two people that are like, sure, I'll take your puppy. Um, what she did and luckily, I mean, she was amazing. She built separate relationships with all of them. So it was very, very, very rare for all three of those dogs as babies or as young dogs to all be out together. Mm. Very rare, which put a lot on her because she had kids. She was a nurse and she worked nights. So it was come home, create and rotate, build a relationship with three separate puppies on top of potty training, three separate puppies on top of working full time with Mm. kids. It was a lot. Yeah but they don't have issues. So you can do it. It's a matter of how much you put into it. Yeah. And that goes into you asking yourself those questions as how much time do I have to build this relationship with my dog? And I love that we touched this subject of bonded dogs because many shelters do advertise as 
These dogs are bonded. They need to go to a home together. I see that all the time. Mm -hmm. And although it seems like they are terrible when they're away from each other, that's the best for them most of the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the anxiety. That's the attachment that you see that is not healthy and will become an issue. Um, because one dog normally is the stronger kind of, um, uh, more dominant, I hate using that word, but the stronger, more dominant dog. And then one dog becomes kind of the weaker dog and then stronger, more dominant dog will start to bully weaker dog. Weaker dog will then over time go on defense mode. And then now weaker dog will start the fight and it'll just be out of nowhere over nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you will have to break those fights up or somebody will get very hurt or they'll kill each other. It's the worst fights I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's just what we're talking about here is not our opinion. It's not our opinion that bonded pairs work like this, bonded dogs work like this. It's a fact. This is the truth is based on their species as dogs. This is how they think. And you, you know, a lot of people don't understand the concept of bonded dogs because you've never experienced it. I personally never experienced it, but I've seen it in lots of shelters talking about bonded dogs going to homes together and then, you mentioned littermate syndrome, which is a big issue that people don't understand. Or people think only can happen with littermates. It, it, it's just dogs near the same age when they're young. Yeah, it's near the same age. And like Millie said, it's it's something that you have to, if you do have a bonded pair, bonded dogs, then you're going to have to work on building separate relationships with mm -hmm. them or else eventually it could happen out of nowhere. So again, not our opinion. It's just a fact. This is what happens. And I, I don't think shelters or, um, I don't think shelters do this or, or say, Hey, these are bonded pairs or this is a bonded pair and they have to go to the same home for any, and then I don't think they have any negative intention. I think people see a dog in a shelter who's terrified or shut down. And the only thing that makes this dog feel better is this other dog. But the, the problem is, is that when they go home, this attachment is the is more important than anything else on top of normally that other dog is kind of acting as a band-aid for a deeper issue like lack of confidence or anxiety or something like that. But if a breeder says, hey, I'll give you two for the price of one or these two love each other, most of the time it's because they bred a, a dog that they don't have enough homes for all these puppies or they want to get more money. Um, and it's easy to convince you to get another puppy when you've got puppies in your face. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be my biggest no-no when you're going to go look at a shelter um, or you're going to go to a breeder um, and get a puppy. Um, don't get two, just one at a time. Yeah. I have a rule in my house is the youngest dog has to be at least two years old before we get another dog. Yeah. And with every dog, even if you get them at different times, and we'll go more in depth about this, you have to keep them separated and help slowly introduce that new relationship with every single dog. Mm -hmm. You can't just bring a dog home and say, here, mm -mm. you know, bring them home. That's always when things happen where somebody just gets a dog, adopts them and just brings them home and their resident dog freaks out. Then that dog is back at the shelter. Yeah. We're going to so, talk about that. I think in the next episode, we're going to talk next, about that. Decompression time is so very important. Yep. Now, when would you talk, um, when would you say that for someone to look for a rescue versus a breeder? I grew up in the rescue, in the rescue world. So I was very against breeders, um, growing up. Now I am against the amount of breeders that we have. 
But there are breeders out there that breed for certain services, like service dog work, and they need a very specific um, lineage from that dog. And there are breeders that are very responsible with what they do, very. There are other breeders that are not, and they overbreed, and they breed too young, or they breed without having any sort of idea of potentially medical problems that could happen with mom or the fact that their dog with behavioral problems, even though who is gorgeous should not be bred because that's probably going to be passed down to those puppies. Um, that is more so the case with breeders. Um, but I think a lot of times people will go to a breeder instead of a rescue because they need some specific type of dog, even for allergies, for, um, you know, for their apartment complex or whatever. And they are unaware of the fact that they could probably find that dog in the shelter Mm -hmm. um, because of the fact that there is such overbreeding with a lot of these dogs, especially in the South. You don't see it a lot in the North. So if you're listening to this and you don't live in Georgia and you're like, that doesn't sound true. It is different in, in the South for sure. There's a lot of overbreeding, backyard breeding, people who just don't know what they're doing or aren't spaying and neutering and accidental litters happen a lot down here. Oh, yeah. Please spay and neuter your dogs. Mm-hmm. You have you don't you never know what could happen. And there's way too many stories of people having these resident dogs and accidents happen. And now you're stuck with a litter of nine puppies that you just want to give away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, breeding, I'm not a fan of it. Like Millie said, if you need to look into a breeder because you you need a service dog, you need a specific type of dog, and there's a lot more that goes into looking for a breeder, but that needs to be a very specific, specific situation. And breeders that are doing an, an ethic way, and, and it's rare to find these breeders, and they're pretty much, they have a lot of policies that they follow they don't just sell these dogs for the heck of making money. Mm-hmm. They are very, very specific when it comes to um, homing their dogs and they make you sign agreements and they make sure that if anything was to happen, that dog is to come back to them. That is a good, that's a green flag in a breeder. Yes. They need, they make you sign agreements that that dog needs to be back to them if anything were to happen. So, you know, looking for a rescue Many people, and I get this all the time, they want a specific dog. Can I find this in a shelter? They think shelter dogs are just, you know, mixed breeds all over. But no, you have specific breeds and and shelters. And you can actually go to petfinder.com and you can filter the distance that you're willing to travel to get that dog. Mm -hmm. That's what I got. That's where I got Kemper. Yeah. And you can look for specific age group, size, anything, specific breed and all in between, you're able to filter through Pet Finder. And also, um, I'm really a big fan of Bunny's Buddies. They actually, they're a, a rescue group. And I follow her on Instagram. And she has, you know, like golden retrievers and doodles and all these designer dogs yeah. that people think you can adopt. Well, there's rescues for each. I mean, you type in, like, I, I helped out with a German Shepherd rescue. There's Adopt-A-Golden. There's, um, Adopt there's a Golden. A I like Pitbull them. rescue. I mean, there's a lot of different specific breed rescues. Now, yeah. it might be harder to adopt from some of them than others because the they might be more popular in certain states or certain locations. But, um, but if you... Purebreds are not that you don't just need to get one from a from a breeder. Mm-hmm. And if you do go to a breeder, that is not, you know, it's not up for me to judge, but it is one of these things where I would I, I mean, if it if it's a cheap puppy on 
uh, in comparison to the other breeders around you or whatever, that is something I would think twice about. So your ethical breeders that we talked about that aren't doing it for the money, they are doing it most of the time at a much more expensive rate because they have such a long wait list and because they are not overbreeding these dogs. So it's not like they have puppies all the time every day. It's they're waiting a little while between breeding or they're keeping their puppies. That's a, in the state of Georgia, it's illegal to sell a puppy before eight weeks old. Um, and there's a lot of behavioral issues that will happen if you get your puppy a little bit too young, whether it's from a rescue, which rescues don't really do this because we don't find them until um, either they're you know, already with mom or um, they're a little bit older than that. But if a breeder is trying to give you a puppy at six weeks old, I would say, can you hold on to them until they're eight, 10 weeks? Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there are, there are, I mean, complete purebred dogs in shelters, in, um, uh, in the pound, even and you can find a rescue. I'm sure there's doodle rescues. I don't oh, know of any. There's, okay. Yeah. And like, like I said, bunnies, buddies, she has all kinds of dogs, but in her case, she brings these dogs from like China or meat markets that these yeah. terrible stories, yeah. but she, I like her dog adoption process because she's very strict. And this is what I would say, why I like for people to go to rescues. There are some rescues, their adoption process are very strict. You have to answer a lot of questions. There's a lot of screening that goes into it. And I love this mm -hmm. because the questions they ask you will make you realize maybe it's not the right time for me to get a dog, you know, and she gets a lot of um, negativity thrown at her because her adoption process is very strict because she's flying these dogs over to the United States mm. and then she needs someone responsible enough to get this dog at the airport and transport them back home. So it's a very, you know, unique process, but the, the her process of screening is very strict and she gets so much negativity because people say, I've tried to adopt through you and you said I'm not capable and she has stories where people give up on these dogs and they come back to her in terrible conditions. Yeah. And she's like, this is why I screen the way I do. Yeah, absolutely. Many people don't realize bringing a puppy home, a rescue home, whatever it is that you're, you know, whichever kind of dog you're bringing home, there's a lot of work that goes into it and you have to be prepared for whatever comes. Yeah. When we brought Bubbles home, example, at the shelter, he was the cutest dog, played with Ozzy, kissed his face, immediate love, immediate connection with those two. Rode home, best dog to put in the car. He just sat the whole way. We came home. He was introduced to the dogs. They did great. If you listen to the first episode, I talk about this. And then they fought. Yeah. And it happened three different times. But we were prepared for whatever comes. We were not just going to say, okay, Bubbles is aggressive. I can't do it. We looked more and more into this. And Bubbles is the reason why I met Millie, why we have this podcast, yeah. why so many good things happen in my Technically, life. Technically, Bubbles' bad behavior is the reason. <laughs> yeah. If Bubbles had just come home and been a perfect angel, this wouldn't be happening. I think about it all the time. Yeah. Because if it wasn't for Bubbles, I would not have grown as a human. The way I did, yeah. I would have not improved in so many aspects of my life. And that's why I have such a... Such a, you know, a love for the dogs that are overlooked. And that's why when I saw Rusty, I'm like, I need to get this dog mm -hmm. out of there now. It's just that those, the, the dogs that are more reactive or have these, this baggage, they're the ones that really call you out on your stuff. They really make you look at oh, life yeah. in a different way. Oh, yeah. And uh, they, they help you 
understand so much and look deeper into problems. And I talk about it all the time. You know, my dog's made me a better human, but getting a dog is, there's a lot of work involved. And when we go back to rescue versus breeder, a lot of people are like, what, you know, I want this dog. Where can I get it? Just adopt. You never know. You might Mm -hmm. go into the, uh, the process of getting a dog thinking you want a certain dog, but then you go into a rescue or shelter and you see a different dog that you really like. And that might be the dog. And they're completely different from what you initially thought. Um, Ideally, one of my uh, green flags for a rescue or um, for a shelter is when you can put the dog on hold and visit them that first day, go home, think about it, um, not make an impulsive decision, talk with your family, um, and then come back and visit them the second day and see if the dog is acting the same. Just like humans, we have different moods that we wake up in, but um, there are... I mean, when it comes to rescue versus breeder, rescue, especially in the South, is the way to go, not just because you have less, most of the time, um, behavioral, not behavioral problems, but physical kind of medical veterinary problems because of overbreeding and DNA and all of that stuff, but because most of the time rescues down here are really interested in not just finding a home, but the right home. Yes. If they're doing it right. There are, I'm, I'm assuming, some rescues down here that... Actually, when I went to um, adopt Kemper two years ago in the middle of COVID, everybody was giving getting puppies, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it actually took me a dog trainer a very, very, very long time to get somebody to give me a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> and like this whole time, people just like offer me dogs and now I want one and nobody will give me a puppy because each puppy I adopted or I put an application for had a hundred different applications on it. Yeah. Finally, and thank God it was them, um, Good Dolly Pup Rescue in Barnesville, Georgia called me and they were the only rescue that I had called um, in, you know, within that kind of time period that didn't filter their applications based on first come, first serve, mm-hmm. but who would fit the dog best. I love that. And that was very cool. And honestly, we went and got them that day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, rescues, that's a huge benefit of it. On top of if there's a foster system, it teaches you a lot about as an adopter if I have kids, I'm going to look into, okay, dogs that have foster homes that also have kids. So then this dog already either has practice around the kids or I know what behaviors to look out for in there. I can, therefore I can prepare my, my kids for those behaviors. Yeah. I love fosters. They, they really help you understand more about that dog before even getting the dog. And when you look into uh, dogs that are in foster homes, you can talk directly to the foster and ask all sorts of questions and they're going to give you their honest answer Mm -hmm. when it comes to that dog. And we are, I briefly want to mention this. We're very excited that with Ozzy Albee's foundation, we're going to start a foster program and we are going to be pulling dogs from the shelter and they're going to go and spend some time with mirror image. And we estimate that time to be about 30 days so they can really get some solid structure and hopefully they'll be adopted by that time or placed in the proper foster home. So what we really wanted to do is slow down the process a little bit to help these dogs find the perfect home where rehoming is never going to be an issue once they're adopted and give them the structure they need before being placed in a home and the structure of everything that Millie teaches. So we're on top of like giving humans a little bit more information about what, about the dog they're adopting because people go to the shelter and they just, they pick the dog that's jumping all over the cage and really excited to see them or the dog that looks really, really sad in the back. 
And if with, with what we're hoping to do and we're hoping that it, it allows people to pick a dog that fits their family a little bit better because we'll have the information of, yes, we've had them for a month and, um, you know, they've been exposed to cats. They've been exposed to other dogs through the day camp program. They are crate trained. They, um, they have all of these skills already. Um, but because of who they are, you know, they don't like this. They don't like, you know, this other thing, or maybe they really like this. Um, and it would be great for, you know, this dog to go into a home with whatever it is. Yes. And they're going to be getting the structure of leash and all things in between. So we really want to give this dog that opportunity to blossom by going to camp, by being introduced to these different, um, distractions. And once we place them in a foster home, you're, you're going to get them, if you do get them as a foster, you're already going to have all of the, this information and structure for that dog. So we're trying to set them up for successful adoptions and maybe placed in a, a foster home during that time. Um, but we, we're very excited to do this together because it's going to help these dogs get a second chance in a more slower way transition period and transition period yeah to help them get that structure before anything else my number one goal with anything is successful adoptions mm-hmm. i just hate failed adoptions mm-hmm. it breaks my heart and i know it just adds so much baggage to the dog so that's our goal with this is set them up for success not only the dogs but i mean we we have the adoption, the foster application on. Yes. Okay. On OzzyAlbysFoundation.org. So we would love to get foster applicants, um, people that are willing to foster these dogs for limited time. With our support. And, and, and that's something I want to make clear too, is as, as a person who, who fostered previously and my dog had behavioral issues, I didn't know where to go. Do I go to the rescue? Do I find my own trainer? Um, but you not only are you going to get this dog um, in your home as a foster or as an adopter with a lot of information that we already have on that dog, but if something comes up, we want you to call us. We're going to be here. We're going to be um, supporting you and kind of guiding that dog and whoever that dog comes in contact with along the way. Yes. Support is, you're going to get so much support. We actually sponsored a session for a dog that was in a foster program with a shelter and she was having reactivity to Cindy. humans. Yep. Yep. And she randomly started and she didn't know where to turn because where would she turn? You know, the shelters are overcrowded and they really don't have time to slow down. So she turned to us. We, we sponsored a session for her and they were able to achieve a lot with that session. So with this program that we're starting, you're getting all of the support and you're, you're getting, if you do adopt you know, one of our dogs, you're going to get a dog that comes with structure and you're going to know exactly all there is to know about this dog. There won't be any surprises. So, um, you know, I think that really covers a lot in this episode is how to pick a dog that's right for you. That's really big. You have to slow down, think about all the things we talked about. And in the series of these um, episodes that we're going to do, we're going to go into decompression time. We're going to go into introducing housemates. We're going to talk about a lot of different things that come into bringing a dog into your home that we normally don't think about. And um, so we are going to end this episode with all this information. If you have any questions, please, 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 with Christmas coming up, I know people are getting dogs. So email us, even if you want somebody to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to get your ideas and what you'd like to listen 
So um, we can really discuss more about that. So thank you so much for joining us today. This was a great episode. I really love talking about this, especially with Christmas coming up. Yeah. And uh, don't forget that practice makes progress. All right. Until next time. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Think Like a Dog Podcast and follow at Mirror Image Canine for training tips. If you have any questions, please reach out to us via email at info at thinklikeadogpodcast.com.